the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News Team. Now, here's what's happening. Terror in the sky. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. Russia's assault on Ukraine comes back to Kiev. Ukrainian anti-aircraft guns firing back at suicide drones in the capital, Kiev, overnight. CBS's Vicky Barker, Ukrainian journalist Katerina Malfa-Fieva watched the night of terror unfold. Attack of the drones uh, started a little bit earlier than 7 a.m. this morning. Uh, there were three explosions, and by now there were around seven explosions, all of them in the city center of Kiev. The fighting rages on in eastern Ukraine as well. The BBC's Moira Alderson is there. Ukrainian troops have been engaged in fighting in the towns of Solidar and Bukhmut in the Donbass region. The Ukrainians say they're facing an assault by a Russian force, which includes mercenaries and 2,000 released prisoners. NATO will begin its annual nuclear drills today. This comes as Russian President Vladimir Putin has raised the specter of using nuclear weapons in Ukraine following major military setbacks. Russia will also at the end of the month conduct its routine nuclear exercises. Continuing violent unrest in Iran appears to have claimed the lives of two Americans who were being held in a prison there when a fire broke out. Smoke billowed over Iran's infamous Evan prison from a massive fire that ripped through the facility holding political prisoners and dual nationals. Gunshots echoed, projectiles were launched into the air. CBS's Raymond Asensio. Now to a different sort of battle. Three weeks. That's all that remains until Election Day in America, although early voting is already underway in many states. The big question for candidates and pollsters, what are those voters really thinking? We've gotten bad news this week about inflation. Who's responsible for this? And are the Democrats and Joe Biden responsible for this? And the answer is somewhat. People understand that there are other factors there. CBS pollster Anthony Salvanto on CBS's Face the Nation. Arizona Republican candidate for governor Carrie Lake says she's going to win the election in Arizona. CNN asked her this weekend whether she'd accept the results if she lost. I'm going to win the election and I will accept that result. If you lose, will you accept that? I'm going to win the election and I will accept that result because the people will never, the people of Arizona will never support and vote for a coward like Katie Hobbs who won't show up on a debate stage. That's Lake referring to Arizona Democratic candidate for governor Katie Hobbs a no-show at the debate, Hobbs defending her absence. She's not interested in having substantive, in-depth conversations about the issues that matter to Arizonans. She only wants a scenario where she can control the dialogue. Hobbs appearing on CNN's State of the Union. Former President Trump says American Jews need to appreciate what they have in Israel before it's too late. In a post on his social media platform, Trump also said the Jewish community must, quote, get their act together. He also said no president has done more for the Middle Eastern country than he has. Federal prosecutors want former Trump advisor Steve Bannon to cool his heels for six months in jail. Their recommendation comes after Bannon was convicted of contempt of Congress. He was hit with those charges after refusing to comply with a subpoena from the committee investigating last year's Capitol attack. Bannon wouldn't testify or turn over documents to the panel. I'm Michael Kastner. 
filler up recently? Tracking gas prices lately requires a seatbelt. With inflation still very much a factor and a concern for voters in the upcoming elections, one of its early indicators continues a recent roller coaster ride. After the big run-up in gasoline prices, they mostly dropped for a couple of months, then turned up again. Now, after several days of drops of about a penny a day a gallon, AAA's average price for a gallon of gas is unchanged from yesterday, $3.89. Tom Forty reporting. Average price in Pennsylvania today, $3.95 a gallon. In New York, $3.68. The deadline to file a federal tax return for those who requested a six-month extension back in April is today. That covers about 19 million people. It's best to file electronically if you're going up against the deadline. A beta version of the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness application has gone live. NBC's Kathy Park tells us. So who can apply? Individuals who in the past two years made less than $125,000 and families that earn less than $250,000. Debt cancellation can be as much as $10,000 per applicant or as much as $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. The beta version of the application can be accessed at studentaid.gov. The government's allowing pharmacies and big box stores to start selling hearing aids without prescriptions as of today. NBC senior medical correspondent John Torres says it's a huge move by the FDA. There's an estimate around 30 million people that could benefit from hearing aids, but only less than a third of them are actually getting them. Part of that's because of the process that was required before today, and that means getting a prescription, seeing an audiologist, a fitting. Audiologist Kelly House says it's going to help reduce the stigma of wearing hearing aids. We'll make hearing aids like glasses. People don't do second glances because someone's wearing glasses, you know, and like we do hearing aids. Walgreens, Walmart, and Best Buy will be among the retailers selling them. Computer billionaire Bill Gates pledging a pile of money to fight an age-old disease. Our foundation is pledging $1.2 billion in support of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative. There are two countries where the crippling disease remains endemic, Pakistan and Afghanistan. Dust off that old Jeffrey the Giraffe doll. Toys R Us is back. Just in time for the holidays, Toys R Us shops have officially opened in select Macy's locations across the country. Macy's is celebrating with nine days of family activities and giveaways. The expansion of Toys R Us shops was first announced back in July. The popular decades-old toy retailer had closed all of its brick-and-mortar locations back in 2018 after the company declared bankruptcy. CBS's Elise Press and feel like a little caramel loading? Well, go for it. After all, today is National Pasta Day. The first reference to the dish appears to date back to Sicily in the 1150s. If you're looking for something new to try out, the National Pasta Association has plenty of recipes available online at sharethepasta.org. Still to come on the noon report of fatal stabbing on a Western New York college campus promoting foster care in the southern tier and the battle over preborn life in Pennsylvania. Well, good afternoon to all. A November-like pattern is ahead this this week with chilly air and everything from lake effect showers and snowflakes to sunshine. Forecast details are coming up. We'll see you in 10 minutes. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Now checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. The search still going on for a person of interest in connection with a deadly stabbing on the University of Buffalo's North Campus. According to investigators, 19-year-old Tyler Lewis was stabbed in the chest at Moody Terrace Roadway near Richmond Quad Friday evening. Students understandably unnerved. That's terrible. You know, you'd think it'd be so safe here and to have someone stabbed, that's like super scary. Chris Bartoliomi, chief 
of UB's police tells News 4. We don't believe that there's a continuing threat to the university, but out of an abundance of caution and to make sure that our students do feel safe, we're increasing patrols in the area, so they should see a regular presence of university police, especially around the dormitories. Police believe at least four people were involved in that stabbing incident. No injuries reported following a massive blaze at a storage facility in Rochester. When crews arrived on the scene on Layton Avenue last night, the building was engulfed in heavy smoke and flames. There were also several loud bangs heard inside the building due to tires and other items exploding because of the intense heat. The cause of that fire remains under investigation. Former President Donald Trump throwing his support behind Lee Zeldin as Long Island Congressman looks to become New York's next governor. Trump revealed his endorsement on the social media platform Truth Social, calling Zeldin a winner and praising him for his positions on important issues such as crime and the military. A pair of Western New York congregational leaders are suing New York State over its ban on guns in places of worship. Pastor Jimmy Hardaway with Trinity Baptist Church in Niagara Falls and Bishop Larry Boyd with Open Praise Full Gospel Baptist in Buffalo are suing local DAs and state police over the ban, contending it denies them and other law-abiding individuals from carrying loaded handguns in case of confrontation for immediate self-defense. Reverend Hardaway says he would typically carry a concealed firearm at Trinity Baptist, particularly on Sundays and during services, saying in the complaint that it's both for self-defense and out of an obligation to his congregants as pastor to be prepared in case of confrontation. No word on a court date for that suit yet. Have you considered opening your home to a child in want of stability and love? The current training for that involves a lot of information on how to assist youth that have behavioral and mental health concerns. Natasha Snyder with Pathways Therapeutic Foster Care Program in Corning. One of her clients says... Knowing that it could just be temporary, being a part of that child's life for just a moment and knowing that she made a change at all is one of her greatest pushes to stay a foster parent. Pathways serves families in Rochester, the Finger Lakes, and New York's Southern Tier. Winter will be here before you know it, and both the New York State Department of Transportation and PennDOT looking to increase the number of employees before the flakes start to fly. Both agencies currently looking to hire drivers, fleet technicians, and highway maintenance workers. You can go to their websites for more information. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer speaking out against a plan by the FAA to make airline passenger seats smaller. Schumer urges the public to push back on the plan, which he says will lead to less leg room and a reduction in seat width. People have until November 1st, the end of the comment period, to contact the FAA with their thoughts on the proposal. Schumer says if this plan flies, it will make flying more miserable. Lisa Salvati, NBC News Radio, New York. Democrats rallied in State College, PA over the weekend, protesting a pro-life Senate bill. Paul Tickak, a candidate for the Pennsylvania House of Representatives 82nd District, tells WTAJ if state Republicans are able to pass the measure. It will then go on a ballot, presumably next spring, in a very low information, low visibility, low turnout election that could fundamentally change so many things in our Constitution. Republicans say the bill would remove any funding or access to abortions. Josh Shapiro, Pennsylvania's Democratic nominee for governor, has smashed the state's two-decade-old campaign spending record as he competes against Republican Doug Mastriano, who was on track to spend less than a tenth as much. The race between Shapiro and Mastriano may test how powerful that campaign spending is in one of the nation's highest-profile races for governor. One candidate has spent more money than any other gubernatorial nominee ever in Pennsylvania, and the other has spent less than any other in at least the past two decades. 
Shapiro has reported $44 million in spending. Mastriano, in turn, has reported spending of less than $3 million. Shapiro reported having $11 million still in the bank. Mastriano reported $2.6 million. Terry Diener. Family Life News. Elsewhere around the Keystone State, Pennsylvania's county election offices have lost hundreds of workers since 2020. It started as a trickle. Several elections directors decided to leave or retire due to foreseeable challenges of implementing no-excuse mail-in voting and new voting machines using paper ballots. Then came what was much harder to predict, the COVID-19 pandemic, during what would be the highest turnout for an election in Pennsylvania history. It has been over five years since Penn State student Timothy Piazza died after an alcohol-fueled hazing event at a university fraternity. His death sparked new hazing legislation along with a nationwide awareness campaign, but a civil suit filed by his parents has still not been resolved. Last week in federal court, James and Evelyn Piazza asked a judge for a ruling which could end a years-long delay in their wrongful death suit. In February 2017, Piazza died after consuming a massive amount of alcohol during a pledge event at Penn State's Beta Theta Pi fraternity chapter. On the civil suit side, there's been 25 out-of-court settlements, but the criminal cases against two of the frat's members linger on. A carbon monoxide leak at an Allentown daycare center has prompted local officials to suspend that facility's license. Inspectors with the city of Allentown suspended the license of the Happy Smiles Learning Center late last week after more than 30 children and staffers were rushed to hospitals. Firefighters stated they discovered dangerously high levels of carbon monoxide in the building. The cause of that leak remains under investigation. Investigation. A Northumberland County man is out on bail after charges were filed against him for stalking. A mechanic found a tracking device on his wife's car after police say a temporary restraining order had been filed last month against Jason Eisenhuth. The accuser told police he'd shown up several times without being told where she was. The GPS tracking device was found under her car's bumper. And Pennsylvania's plan to build electric vehicle supercharger stations is spreading across western Pennsylvania. The state has received the first installment of $170 million being allocated by the federal government to build fast charging stations across the country. PennDOT's goal is to have 95% of the state's residents within 15 minutes of a charging station. And now we'll get a charge out of sports. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, it was a great day for local and regional football in the NFL yesterday in Kansas City. Josh Allen hit Dawson Knox with a 14-yard go-ahead touchdown with just over a minute to play, and the Bills beat the Chiefs 24-20. Allen finished with 329 yards passing and three touchdowns in the win. Teron Johnson picked off Patrick Mahomes in the final minute to seal the deal for Buffalo. Some late turnovers aided the Giants in their comeback win over Baltimore 24-20. Daniel Jones had a couple of touchdown passes and Saquon Barkley rushed for another score as the G-Men moved to 5-1 on the season. In Green Bay, it was the gang Green who took over this game. The Jets now 4-2 after taking out the Packers 27-10. Brees Hall rushed for 116 yards and a touchdown. The Jets 3-0 on on the road this season. The Philadelphia Eagles remain the only undefeated team in the NFL, beating the Cowboys last night 26-17. Jalen Hurts tossed two touchdown passes in the victory. And the Pittsburgh Steelers upset Tom Brady in Tampa Bay 20-18. Mitch Trubinsky came off the bench late in the third and led an eight-play 71-yard touchdown drive that proved to be the game winner. Other winners, Atlanta, New England, Indy, Minnesota, Cincinnati, 
Cincinnati, the Rams, and Seahawks. To baseball, there will be a game five in the Bronx tonight. Garrett Cole struck out eight, gave up two over seven innings. Harrison Bader hit his third home run in this postseason, and the Yankees beat the Guardians four to two. In NASCAR, Joey Logano clinched a spot in the round of four. With two races left, he took the checkered flag in Vegas. Rush Chastain second, Kyle Busch third. That is a look at sports. All right, thanks, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, the latest on the war in Ukraine and unrest in Iran, a pulse check on the midterm elections, and buying a hearing aid just got a whole lot easier. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. At age 18, Chloe Cole testified against a radical California Senate bill designed to make the state a haven for minors who seek gender transition. Her story is powerful. At age 12, she started to have feelings of gender dysphoria, stoked, at least in part, by the rampant misinformation that so dominates social media. Chloe began to believe that girls were weak and overtly sexualized, and she did not want to be one. Having concluded then that she must be transgender, she reached out for professional help and was then fast-tracked into medical transition. I believe, Chloe said, that all my anxiety and insecurities would magically disappear once I transitioned. The mental health professionals did not try to dissuade me of this delusional belief. Chloe's parents were told that they could either support their daughter's transition or be complicit in her suicide. Backed into that corner, they listened to their doctors. Chloe was placed on puberty blockers and testosterone and then approved for a double mastectomy, all by the age of 15. Only a few years later, Chloe began to understand the full significance of what had been done to her. No one explored, she remembered, why I did not want to be a girl. And today, she continued, more and more kids are falling for the same false promise of happiness if they transition. Chloe's testimony then ended with a very simple statement, quote, I am the canary in the coal mine. And she is. Internet forums are filling up today with stories of teens and 20-somethings that have symptoms of osteoporosis, dramatic mood swings, hair loss, and other complications that have all resulted from the laissez-faire prescripting of hormone therapy to young people. In fact, there's a growing wave of detransitioner stories that shows no sign of abating. And since that testimony before the California Senate, Chloe has joined with others to co-found Detrans United, a support network and advocacy group for those who were railroaded through the gender transition process. Well, this stand that Chloe and these others are taking is incredibly courageous. Detransitioners are considered either non-existent or an embarrassment by the cultural powers that be. And yet, they have made their mission clear. People who are struggling with dysphoria are not the enemy. Rather, the dogmas of trans ideology and the practices we've now embraced are. Back in June, Pew Research found that 5% of adults aged 18 to 29 now identify as transgender or non-binary. That amounts to over 2 million young Americans who have imbibed and embraced harmful new ideas about gender. And while it's too soon to know just how many will then experience regret and seek to detransition, every one of these young people needs a source of hope, of comfort, and healing as they work through one of the most destructive ideologies of our lifetimes. Our friends at Focus on the Family have compiled a list of resources for Christians dealing with this complex issue. One of their best tools is called A Biblical Perspective on Transgender Identity, a primer for parents and strugglers. It walks through ways that parents can help kids navigate sexual identity well by encouraging openness, creating a safe place for sharing their feelings, teaching them about the importance and God-given design of our bodies, and being willing to prioritize honoring God over and above human influences. 
And those who struggle with dysphoria need this kind of wider community to support and help them. Specifically, they need a church, one that's unafraid to love them and speak truth to them. Today, groups like Focus on the Family and the Restored Hope Network help connect Christians with a whole network of biblically focused counselors to seek help for a range of mental and sexual questions. Stories like Chloe's teach us that there is hope and that speaking up requires courage. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, please go to colsoncenter.org. Mostly cloudy, brisk, with some rain showers around. High temperatures, mostly 50s, 40s over the higher elevations of western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. Tonight, lake effect showers of rain and snow across some parts of western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. The grass could be coated a little snow by tomorrow morning over the higher elevations of the western twin tiers. Otherwise, just a chance of a shower in low temps, 30s. Tomorrow and Wednesday, intervals of clouds, sunshine, some lake effect rain showers in the belts, and snowflakes will fly in some of the higher elevations with highs in the 40s to near 50s. Thank you very much, Kevin Williams. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. Recapping some top stories, another night of terror in Ukraine. For the second time this month, city streets in the center of Ukraine's capital have been pummeled. Russia's repeatedly denied targeting civilians. But this neighborhood is jam-packed with apartment buildings, schools and restaurants. CBS's Holly Williams. And as the battle rages on across Ukraine, NATO is launching its annual nuclear exercises today. Called Steadfast Noon, the nuclear drills involve using dozens of aircraft, including advanced fighter jets, surveillance and tanker aircraft, training over Belgium, the North Sea and Britain. The drills do not involve live bombs, but come as Russian President Vladimir Putin has raised the specter of using nuclear weapons in Ukraine following major military setbacks. I'm Rory O'Neill. Ukraine's foreign minister wants Iran to be sanctioned for selling hundreds of deadly kamikaze drones to Russia for those attacks on Ukraine. And speaking of Iran, violence continues unabated there as protesters call for the country's Islamic rulers to step down. We've seen several videos online of protests, particularly at universities across Iran, with students chanting slogans such as, Rise up, people. Enough is enough. Roxana Subieri reporting. Polling continues to show that Republicans have a better-than-even chance of reclaiming the House of Representatives next month. CBS News elections expert Anthony Salvanto thinks he knows one big reason why. They're not as engaged with politics. They're feeling like the economy's not working for them, so they're kind of standing back and not getting as involved. But older people are. That's a big difference because the younger people are part of the Democratic base. They don't show up. Hurts Democrats' chances. The situation in the U.S. Senate's a bit murkier. One key race is in Georgia, where Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock is facing off against Republican candidate Herschel Walker. Voters there seem split. Raphael Warnock is who we need in the Senate right now. Herschel Walker has a good heart. We believe in a lot of similar things. Election Day now just 21 days away. Authorities in California believe they've taken a suspected serial killer off the streets. Stockton police announcing the arrest on Saturday, saying officers likely prevented another attack as the 43-year-old suspect was armed with a gun when he was picked up. Six people have been shot to death there, five in Stockton, one in Oakland, in incidents dating back to 2021. Have you heard? Hearing aids are now an over-the-counter item. People living with hearing loss can now purchase hearing aids over the counter. The move is expected to bring lower prices and expand access for millions. Hearing loss is the third most chronic health condition in older adults. 
CBS's Elise Preston. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer speaking out against the plan by the FAA to make airline passenger seats smaller. At a news conference Sunday in New York City, Schumer urged the public to push back on the plan, which he says will lead to less legroom and a reduction in seat width. People have until November 1st, the end of the comment period, to contact the FAA with their thoughts on that plan. Residents in one Fort Worth, Texas neighborhood say they've had it with the activities of somebody that they're calling Edward Scissorhands. Trey Thomas explains. The unidentified man is trimming their trees in the middle of the night without their permission. One resident has caught him on surveillance video around 3 a.m. He's reportedly trimmed about a dozen trees on three streets, and it may cause a problem with the HOA. Neighbors say they found police reports, but it's unknown if he'll face any charges if caught. I'm Trey Thomas. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. This is Family Life Hometowns, a chance to get to know the stories behind the cities, towns, villages, and burgs that make up the Family Life listening area. We take a look at their history and learn what makes them special. Today, we spotlight Batavia, New York. Any talk about Batavia's history begins with the Holland Land Company, a group of 13 Dutch investors who in the 1790s bought what became known as the Holland Purchase, a 3.25 million acre tract from Robert Morris. The English-born Morris served in the Pennsylvania legislature, the Second Continental Congress, and was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And at the time, he was also the richest man in America. The Holland Purchase, stretching from Lake Ontario to the Pennsylvania border and from Lake Erie to just east of present-day Batavia, was largely undeveloped land occupied by the Seneca Nation. Before the huge land deal could be approved, though, a couple of major roadblocks stood in the way. First, the Senecas, led by legendary chief and orator Red Jacket, had to sign off on what was called the Treaty of Big Tree, eventually signed in what is now Geneseo, New York, in 1797. Red Jacket was against the deal, but eventually acquiesced. Then Aaron Burr, he of that infamous duel in which he fatally shot Alexander Hamilton, had to smooth the way for the Holland Company with the New York State Legislature, which until then did not allow any foreign entity to hold land directly. Well, he got the job done without firing a shot. The expansive Holland tract then encompassed all of what we today call Western New York. The village of Batavia was founded in 1802 by Quaker and noted land agent and surveyor Joseph Ellicott. He spent two full years living in the outdoors, including harsh winters, to complete the immense task of surveying and laying out townships in the sprawling tract. The city of Batavia itself is named in honor of the Batavian Republic, a short-lived Republican government of the Netherlands and home base to those Holland Land Company investors. At first, Batavia was a major player in the region right up there with Buffalo and Rochester. In fact, when Buffalo was burned by the British in 1812, many refugees and soldiers found safe haven in Batavia. Then, in the 1820s, came the Erie Canal, which bypassed Batavia in favor of a more northerly route through Albion and Medina. The canal greatly accelerated the growth of Buffalo and Rochester. 
However, Batavia still began to grow as an industrial and manufacturing center, becoming known for producing tractors and other farming equipment for the region's growing farming communities. The best known of these was the Johnson Harvester Company, which eventually became Massey Ferguson and then part of the present-day international conglomerate known as Agco. And once Massey Ferguson vacated that huge complex in Batavia, it gave birth to the Batavia Industrial Center, the first business incubator in the world. By 1915, Batavia was incorporated as a city and remains Genesee County's only city. Its early population growth was fueled by an influx of Polish and Italian immigrants. Batavia's population saw slow but steady growth, reaching a high of just over 18,000 in the 1960 census, a number not far off from the current figure of just over 15,000. One of Batavia's better-known native sons is journalist Terry Anderson, who was held captive by Hezbollah terrorists in Lebanon from 1985 to 1991, thrusting his sister, Peggy Say, reluctantly into the global spotlight as she campaigned tirelessly for his release, eventually succeeding. Famed NFL quarterback John Elway was once a minor league baseball player, and he hit his first professional home run at Batavia's Dwyer Stadium. Batavia, in fact, has a long history of hosting minor league baseball, dating back to 1939. And part of the popular Steve Martin, John Candy comedy movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, was filmed there. Mercy. I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. I can vouch for that. Hundreds of residents managed to snag fleeting moments of fame as extras, earning $50 for a 10-hour day of filming in the cold. The Batavia of today, located along New York State's busy thruway, is home to a variety of businesses. One of the more prominent is the Batavia VA Medical Center, meeting the health needs of Western New York veterans. And one of the more popular tourist attractions takes us full circle back to the beginning, the Holland Land Office Museum, where visitors can learn all about the area's roots back to that group of Dutch investors who knew there was something special in what would one day become Batavia, New York. You've been listening to Family Life Hometowns, a look at the cities, towns, villages, and burgs that make up the Family Life listening area. Please join us again next time for another edition of Family Life Hometowns. You can catch all of our news features online anytime at familylife.org. Just ahead, it's time to do some fall cleaning, and for this job, all you need is a mouse. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A big swirling upper-level storm center located over the Great Lakes will generate some November-like conditions this week. Chilly air for all and everything from sunshine to lake effect showers of rain and snow. Here are the forecast details for this afternoon. Mostly cloudy, brisk, with some rain showers around. High temperatures mostly 50s, 40s over the higher elevations of western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. Tonight, lake effect showers of rain and snow across some parts of western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. The grass could be coated a little snow by tomorrow morning over the higher elevations of the western twin tiers. Otherwise, just a chance of a shower low temps 30s. Tomorrow and Wednesday, intervals of clouds and sunshine, some lake effect rain showers in the belts, and snowflakes will fly in some of the higher elevations with highs in the 40s to near 50s. 
All right, the flakes finally flying, unfortunately. Finally at noon, today is a day set aside to clean off your desktop. Your computer desktop, that is. Many of us make a point to vacuum, do laundry, and keep other things clean. Yet most of us neglect the condition of our computers. Well, today is a day set aside to do just that, as it's National Clean Your Desktop Day. Created by the Personal Computer Museum in 2010, this unofficial holiday encourages people to organize their desktop and the files on their computers. Just like in real life, it's very easy to collect useless and unimportant files on our computers. And just like when we're surrounded by clutter, we tend to get unproductive. A mess on our computer desktops can negatively affect our motivation and ability to do well. So today, take a minute, bit by bit, to organize your files. Delete unwanted or unneeded projects, and who knows? If you're really good at it, you might just find yourself a new gig. Brian Query, Family Life News. Just remember, look twice and delete once. That's the world we live in for Monday, October 17th, 2022. Thank you again for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.